Today's scripture reading is from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 23 through 29. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. I have heard what the prophets who say, who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophets who had, has a dream recount the dreams, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. It is, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's, uh, it's not uncommon at all for Christians to face moments in their lives when they really wrestle with questions about their faith. That's not uncommon. Um, you know, in, in church we're taught that the Bible is God's Word, Jesus is God's Son, faith in Christ is the way to life eternal. We're, we're taught these things. We're taught that they are true. But then, of course, we realize that there are many millions of people in this world that believe differently than this. And some of them are very decent people. They just see the world differently. There are different religions. There are different belief systems. There are, there, there are, are just different claims to truth. And so sometimes you find yourself asking how do I know that what I've been taught to believe is the truth? How do I know what is the truth? How can we know the truth? Well, we are not the first generation of people to wrestle with those kinds of questions. This has been going on as long as there have been people uh, in, in this world. Um, for example, if you look at this passage that James just read to us from Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a Hebrew prophet who was born in the 7th century B.C., and Jeremiah was given a clear message from God for the people of Judah. And the message was this. The people needed to repent of their idolatry, of their unfaithfulness to the covenant. And if they didn't repent, they would be destroyed by the Babylonians. That was, that was God's word for Judah through Jeremiah. Now, the problem was there were other prophets in the land at that time, many other prophets who also were claiming to speak for the Lord, but who were basically declaring the exact opposite message. The other prophets were saying, there's no need to repent. There's no problem. Everything's fine. Babylon will never invade our nation. So you see the, the dilemma the people had. They're hearing, they're, they're hearing these two different messages. And just like us today, they're thinking, how do I know? How, how do I know what the truth is? Well, Jeremiah chapter 23, most of the, the chap, this chapter is devoted to addressing that problem. 
How do we know what the truth is? And in these verses that we're looking at today from, from this chapter, uh, these, these verses point to three things. They point to, first, the existence of truth. Truth exists, right? The, the existence of truth, then uh, the importance of truth, and then finally, the evidence that you found the truth. So let me just work through those thoughts. First, the, the existence of truth. Truth exists. Truth Truth is real. And that seems like a, a strange thing to say, but in, listen, in the days of Jeremiah, for some of the people, to a certain extent, the idea of truth, it was becoming a very subjective thing, very, very personal idea. You see that the pro false prophets, verse 25, they were saying, I had a dream. I had a dream. In other, in other words, for, for these prophets, truth was not so much an objective reality to be found outside yourself. No, for them, tr truth was more of a, um, a subjective personal experience, something that you feel inside. You find it inside you. Later in, the, in this chapter, in verse 36, God said, each one's words becomes their own message. In other words, everyone was just kind of finding and defining their own truth. That's a lot. Would you, would you re agree that's a lot like the culture we live in today? We, ha have you heard this before? We're told again and again, listen, what's true for you is true for me. For, I mean, what's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Nobody has the right to tell anyone else what's right and what's wrong. We all just have to find our own truth. Here are a couple of examples of uh, places I ran across that message recently. The first, this is from an article in the Huffington Post. This was wit written by a uh, professional life coach, and this is the advice that she gives to her clients. She says, define your truth. This may take a bit of work figuring out your truth, but in reality, you already know it. But for whatever reason, fear of judgment, previous definitions, or denial, you have buried your truth deep within. If you stop and listen and feel your inner self, you will become aware of the truths that lay within you. Let no one deny you your truth. Don't hide behind judgment or anything else. Your personal truth is just that, truth. Now, we hear that a lot. You see the problem. If, you, if, if your personal truth is X and my personal truth is Y, and X and Y are not the same thing, you, you just you see the struggle. Here's another place we, um, I found this recently. This is from my favorite children's poet. I usually love his poems, but this one disturbs me that uh, this was written for kids. This is from Shel Silverstein, and the poem is called The Voice. This is for kids. There is a voice inside of you that whispers all day long, I feel that this is right for me. I know that that is wrong. No teacher, preacher, parent, friend, or wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. So if your parents tell you something's wrong or right, I guess the poem, you got you to ignore them and go with what's inside. So this is, this is, this is uh, very similar to uh, Jeremiah's time. People looking for truth within, and th th the problem of that... Um, it becomes very apparent. It often, this doesn't line up with reality. Like, it just, just because I feel something is right, it doesn't make it right. 
Remember 20 years ago, the men who flew planes into the Twin Towers, they all felt that what they were doing was the right thing. God's will is what they thought it was. Just, just because you feel something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just, just because I say something's true, that doesn't make it true. Um, it doesn't line up with, with reality. And this is what God is pointing out to them. Verse 26, he says, How long will, will this uh, continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? He's like just saying we can't all find truth within ourselves. There has to be a truth that's real somewhere. Now, you'll notice in contrast to um, the subjective approach to truth that was seen in these other prophets, notice that in the words of Jeremiah, there's one phrase that just keeps repeating itself over and over and over. You actually hear this phrase five times in this passage. Once in verse 23, twice in verse 24, once in verse 28, once in verse 29. And the phrase is, declares the Lord. Or Yahweh declares. Five, five times. Declares the Lord. 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 Jeremiah just keeps repeating. The, why, does, why does he just keep repeating this phrase? I, I, I think what he's trying to say is, listen, uh, truth is more than just a per personal, subjective, inner feeling that we all define for ourselves. He's saying, no, truth is real. He's, he's saying there's a real God who really exists and really does speak. We can pretend he's not there, but listen, He's still there. We, we, can, we can ignore what he says, but he's not going to go away. God is there, Jeremiah says, and he is not silent. God is speaking. God declares what is true, what is false, what is right, what is wrong. In other words, objective truth exists. It's a real thing. And, and uh, believe it or not, that's actually very good news it's just, it's just telling us that we're, we're not condemned to have to live in this kind of bizarro world that our culture keeps kind of shoving down our throats, that no one, no one can ever say what's right, no one can ever say what's wrong, that no, no one ever can just point to facts and make a case. No, truth exists, all right? Like they used to say on that old show, X-Files, the truth is out there, right? So first, Jeremiah points to the existence of truth. Then, then his words here point to the, the importance of truth. Somebody might say, um, okay, I, I believe there's a God. There has to be a God. I believe there's truth. There must be. But I am so busy. It would take so much work to try to figure out who God is. I don't have time for that. I, you know, I don't even think it's important. I'll find out when I die. Someday I'll find out. I'll just be an agnostic. I don't know. And, you know, be honest, I really don't care. I, 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 listen. Truth is too important to take that approach. For in, in Jeremiah's day, the people did not have the luxury of opting for that kind of agnosticism. They just, and, and you know what? Neither do you, neither do I. You see, in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah was saying, this is God's word. If we don't repent, Babylon will destroy us. The prophets were saying, nah, no need to worry. There's no danger at all. Well, you can't just dismiss that. If, 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 if the people chose simply to do nothing, like it does, we don't have to figure out who's right. If they just chose to do nothing, all right, if Jeremiah is wrong, there's no problem. But if Jeremiah is right, they, they would be destroyed. 
This was not a back burner issue for them. This was front and center. They had to deal with it. God says in verse, verse 24, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill earth and heaven, declares the Lord. In other words, God's saying, you cannot hide from me. You have to deal with this. If, if, if the people sort of chose a path of agnosticism, we don't know, we could never know, just simply chose to, uh, to, to, to do nothing at all. If Jeremiah's right... They will be wiped out. So, you see, in their day, the stakes were just too high for them not to care. And it's the same way for us today. Do you know this? Jesus, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, to be the only way to the Father, to be the Savior for all who will come and trust in Him. In, in John 8, verse 24, He said, If you do not believe that I am He that I am this Savior? He said, if you do not believe that I am He, you will indeed die in your sins, Me meaning you will be judged. You'll be destroyed. See, this, the stakes are just too high to say, ah, it doesn't matter if we find the truth. Listen, if, if you ignore Jesus and the gospel is wrong, eh, I guess it doesn't matter. But if you ignore Jesus and He was speaking the truth, we're talking about heaven or hell here. Second Thessalonians 1 says, Those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. Listen to me. If there's even a, a slight chance that that might be true, don't you think you owe it to yourself to find out about this? This is such an important thing. So I would say this, finding out if you're uncertain, it's okay. If you have doubts, it's all right. Wrestle with those things. This is a safe place to do that. But finding out the truth about God, eventually, finding out the truth, I would say it's the most important thing you ever do with your life. So, so Jeremiah, he points out first the existence of truth. Let's, enough, enough of this mushy thinking, everyone with their own dream. There is, there is a God, there is truth. Then he points out the importance of truth. Listen, this is really matters. If God is saying this, we better figure this out. And then he points to the evidence. The evidence that you have found the truth. So again, this is what was going on back then. Jeremiah was saying this. The other prophets were saying that. Jeremiah was saying this. The others were saying that. And the poor people are thinking, how, how can we ever know who's telling us the real word of God? How can we know the, the truth? The answer is given in verse 28 and 29. Verse 28, God says this, let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. All right, you want to hear the guy's dream? Listen to his dream. I don't care. God says, let the prophet who has the dream recount the dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. So it's almost like God is setting up a little contest here, a little experiment. God says, okay, listen to the dream, listen to my word, compare them. He says, what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Now, th this, is a, um, this is a little hard to explain, but what, I th what this is pointing to is that there is a self authenticating quality to the Word of God. 
God, God's word is living, it's alive, it's powerful. God's, God's word has power to demonstrate and prove itself to people. So to look at the metaphors that are used here, how, let's, how do you know if you have a handful of straw, which has no nutritional value, or grain, which can feed people? How do you know if you have straw or grain? Well, you, you taste it. You'll know. How do you know if fire is hot? Touch it. You'll find out. How do you know if a hammer can really break up rocks? Swing the hammer. See what happens. So it, it, It's like God is saying, give my word a try. Just see the power there. There's, there's a self-authenticating power to words that come from the God who spoke the universe into existence. His word in and of itself has power. Uh, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing uh, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and in, in attitudes of the heart. God's word has this, this power that is inherent to itself. In and of itself, God's word, when God speaks, there's power. That's the claim. So if you, if you want to try that claim out, like let's say you want to know, is the, is the Bible, we know it was written by human beings, but is it really, as it claims, inspired by the God who created the universe? Is the Bible really God's word? How would you find out? Start reading the Bible. Now read it humbly. Read it honestly. Read it obediently. Read it with an open mind. But you know, like they say, when you, when you start reading the Bible, sooner or later, the Bible starts reading you. Like something, something happens because this is God's living word inspired by the Spirit. The Spirit is at work when you read it. You just, you swing the hammer. You give it a try, right? You, you, you go to his word. So again and again, the Bible will point to the, just the powerful effect that God's word has on people. So somebody says, um, I don't have faith. How can I have faith? And that's an honest thing to ask. I mean, you can't just make yourself have faith. If you don't believe, you don't believe. How can I have faith? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Just put yourself under the preaching of the word. Put yourself in the reading and study of the word. The Spirit works through the word to create faith in people. That's the claim. How do we know it's true? Try it. Uh, uh, someone else says, you know, how can I be born again? Jesus said you have to have a whole new life, be a whole new person. How can I, I can't make myself do that. How can I be born again? 1 Peter 1.23 says we are born again through the living and enduring word of God. When God's word is planted within us, he himself does that for us. Well, how do I know if that's true? Try it. Turn to the word. Another person says, I, I hear that there is judgment coming from God someday upon the world. How can I be saved from that judgment? James 1.21 says, receive with meekness the implanted word. It is able to save your soul. Receive the word. It has a power in itself to save you. So, someone says, I, I'm a Christian, I believe, but I'm really struggling in my faith. How can I be built up in my faith? Acts 20 verse 32 the word of God's grace can build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. So someone else says, I'm just discouraged. How, how can I be encouraged and strengthened and refreshed and renewed? Well, Psalm 119 says that God's written word 
refreshes the soul, makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart, gives light to the eyes, is more precious than gold, is sweeter than honey, and that in keeping God's decrees, there is great reward. So there's this, here's the claim, there is this self-authenticating quality, power to God's word. You can tell straw from grain if you just taste it. You can tell if fire is hot if you touch it. You, listen, it, it, you can tell if a hammer will break rocks if you just, just by giving the hammer a swing, give it a chance. In other words, if you give God's word an honest chance, God's word will prove itself. This old preacher, uh, Charles Spurgeon, used to say something like this. He said, I, I, you don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible is a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. Just let it loose. It will defend itself. And so the question, are you, are, you, are you willing to let God's Word loose in your life and see if it's true? You know, this is, this is what people did with Jesus. They gave Him a chance. Those, those, not all of them, but those who gave Him a chance and listened to His words. They found something living and powerful in the words He spoke. For example, in Mark chapter 1, there's one occasion Jesus is teaching in a synagogue uh, teaching the people, and it says the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority. He didn't have to look for authority or claim authority. There was just something in his words. There was an authoritative power in the words that he spoke. There's another place. I love this passage in John chapter 7. The, uh, the, the enemies of Christ, the religious leaders, they wanted to arrest him. So they sent their soldiers, go arrest Jesus. About an hour later, the soldiers come back. They don't have Jesus. Like, What's happened? Why didn't you arrest him? The soldiers said this, no one ever spoke like that man. There's something in his words that are powerful. In the chapter before that, John chapter 6, all the multitudes were abandoning Christ. They didn't like him anymore. Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, what about you? Aren't you going to leave? It says this, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. So all of these people who just gave the hammer a swing, gave Jesus a chance, just listened to him speak honestly, openly, humbly, They heard power in his words. They found truth. So let me just close with some words that Jesus spoke. How do we know what is the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Would you pray with me? Father, there's a, there's a helplessness that I always feel when I preach your word, or any of us does, that just this awareness that I cannot do anything that would make anyone here believe. We can't even make ourselves believe. We, we come before your word just powerless and helpless, and we need, if God, we need your word to be fire. We need your word to be life-giving crane. And so I, I ask that you would do that through your Holy Spirit, especially for any, anyone here who's going through what we all go through. They're going through that, that season of questioning and doubting. God, make your word alive for them. 
Let us all meet Jesus in your word. In his name we pray. Amen.